Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. Hi Em. Okay, you guys, full transparency, we are recording this while the election results are going on. I don't know by the time this comes out if there will be an answer, but like I said yesterday, if you know, I we understand the anxiety you're going through. We kind of stopped watching the television just so we could do this and hope to give, I don't know, some form of escape because goddamn is this a stressful week. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a better escape than Bravo. It's completely the opposite of election results. So I think we need this. I think our listeners need this. And I'm so excited for our stories and our topics this week. Yeah, this is a good one. I also just want to make a point. You know, I know that when you're a podcast listener, consistency is important in terms of the day. And we had kind of been going between Tuesdays and Wednesdays. But now with Southern Charm, the response that we've been getting from you guys is that people really want us to discuss it. And so if that airs on Thursday nights, to have the episode come out on Wednesday, it just feels kind of stupid for a whole week to go by. So we're thinking Friday may be our new day. I don't know. Tell me what you think. We're all figuring it out. And just thank you for your patience because we want to do what you guys want best. So that's kind of the response that we got. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. This episode, we're going to talk Erica and Tom for a little bit, a little bit of Atlanta news. We're then going to talk all about Southern charm again, not at all a recap, but kind of just the major discussion points. And then we're going to talk Potomac. I know the episode aired on Sunday, but there's a lot of things to talk about that I think will get you geared up for Sunday night's episode. Ready? I'm ready. Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let's start out with Erica and Tom. I know you all know this by now, but it's just so fun to talk about. So she releases her statement to E! News saying, After much consideration, I've decided to end my marriage to Tom Girardi. This is not a step taken lightly or easily. I have great love and respect for Tom and for our years and the lives we built together. It is my absolute wish to proceed through this process with respect and with the privacy that both Tom and I deserved. I request others give us that same privacy as well. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We'll get into the background in one second, but the first thing that I want to point out on there is typically when we see celebrity divorce announcements, a Jenna Dewan, even a Kristen Cavallari, it's never really an I, it's much more a we. And so- Hammer and Elizabeth, that's like the first one I thought of. Yeah. So that's the first thing that struck me. I, I assume you did too. Yeah. When this came out, I mean, we were both absolutely shocked. Not so much, I don't know. It just kind of came out of nowhere. It was on election day. And I, what I said to you when we were on the phone was, in the Bravo kind of world, rumors usually start, like, it's the definition of where there's smoke, there's fire. There's always smoke first. We always start to hear rumblings. We see it somewhere that this is going to break or somebody spills the beans. This, I there was genuinely nothing. So when I started seeing the articles, I automatically assumed that I automatically assumed that it was like that was the beginning of the rumors. So then when I realized it was a legitimate statement from her mouth, I was, I couldn't believe it. Oh no, totally. And just to clarify, because I know there were some people that were like, well, come on, didn't you see this coming? Listen, in terms of the rumors that are circulating and have been circulating, there were some things posted on Dumois. If you didn't see it, it was just that, you know, Tom's been seeing other women for a while now. Erica's been seeing this this other guy, some some businessman, and also that Erica's been living in a separate house. Isabella and I had heard that she had been renting a house for, I don't know, a little while now, but it was never something that came up on the show. And normally this type of storyline is brought up on the show. So for me, it wasn't so much that we hadn't heard rumors. It was more so we hadn't heard rumors in association with the show you know? Right. 
And because we kind of view their relationship as a little bit unconventional, where they do lead really separate, independent lives, but at the end of the day, love each other, I I wasn't so, like, shocked by that. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Erica also, just in general, is she's been heavily criticized in her years of Beverly Hills as not being so vulnerable. People have called her kind of icy. I just think, you know, being forthcoming with her emotions is not something that comes naturally to her. And which is maybe why, if there were things going on, we didn't know about it on the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side of that, though, she hasn't been vulnerable in the past, but this past season was like a a 180 for her. And most of the times that we saw her being vulnerable and open with her feelings was in regards to Tom. She felt, it seemed like she felt so much more comfortable to share him, to talk about him. When she meets Garcelle, she like talks about all about their relationship and how they work and bringing him to the dinner party and the whole scene about when she finally makes it and is going to be on Broadway. Like, I felt like we were at such a breaking point in terms of breaking through and seeing her life and seeing the real her and just like her being so emotional. So if this had happened maybe a couple seasons ago, I feel like my shock would have been a little bit lower, but because of how unbelievable last season was and how strong she conveyed her relationship with Tom was, that it like it just hit different. I agree with you so hard. And there were a couple of people that said to us, like, come on, didn't you guys see this coming based on the way she was talking about him? And I was like, literally 0%. No. I felt like, like what you just said, I felt like that scene in the kitchen when she was going to Chicago to me really was, I don't know, the most deep representation of like their love that I had seen ever. So I didn't feel that way. I mean, seriously, I don't care if we sound, I don't know, what do you want to say, gullible or or unintelligent for not being so aware of this, but we had discounted the rumors that we heard. So when this actually broke, Isabel called me. She was literally on the verge of tears. Like we were, I was on a walk with my friends and he was like, are you guys okay? He thought someone died. We were so upset. We were so upset. I just, we've also, we've spoken about this. We are Tom Girardi stands. I mean, there are, you can't find two girls that are bigger fans of Tom than we are. So this just rocked us. no. And what makes me sad, of course, I'm sad that they are getting divorced, but I'm also sad for Erica because I think she probably, they've been married for 21 years. Probably since the day that they got together, she has had to deal with the optics of the situation and defending it and saying, I'm not a gold digger. I'm not in it for his money. He's not my sugar daddy, whatever. Like typical younger woman with the older rich man. And I think she had just gotten to the point, I mean, at least on the show, I don't know about in her everyday life, where people were like, no, this is real love. Like I said, last season, when we saw them, we're like, okay, this is not bullshit. So then to now have to say that they're getting a divorce, I feel like everyone, all of the haters, all of the doubters, all these years are, it's like validation for them. And it sucks because it's almost like they might disregard how many years and how much love was put into the relationship just because of their preconceived notions about it. Exactly. It's like we, I felt like we were feeling this sense of vicarious frustration for Erica because obviously we know the haters didn't quote win. They've been married for 21 years, but in their eyes, they probably did. And so I completely agree with you. I also think 
you know, let's just put it all out there. We have to discuss the financial element, which is that there isn't a prenup. And he's a very wealthy guy. I know some people were asking us about, well, what about the rumor that because he's in debt, he's doing this divorce for her and so that she's not liable for his debts. I just don't think that's the case. I know there have been some lawsuits. I know there were some reports that he owed $6 million. I just don't think that there is a world in which that's the case. I could be totally wrong, but that's kind of my my gut feeling on it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. They both seem like very, like, I want to say civilized people where I feel like they have a very mature friendship and relationship above all else. Someone said they saw them out together already this week. I, I don't know. It will be interesting. And I also feel like because they just started filming Beverly Hills, whether she wants to share or not, how much she wants to share or not, it, it's going to be on there in some capacity. And we'll learn things that we are clearly not seeing just on social media. Totally. And also the other thing is that both of them in different ways are very reputation oriented. Tom, because of his profession and because when you're a lawyer, there is this element of secrecy that just kind of encapsulates you. It just comes from the job. I've seen it with every lawyer that I know. You just automatically become a more private person because you're so used to maintaining confidentiality in your job. So I think for Tom, the last thing he wants to do is kind of like put it all out there. And I think for Erica, messy is not her vibe. You know what I mean? That's not the type of thing she wants to put out. I think she likes to appear like she has it all figured out. So she may talk about it, but I don't ever think it's going to be in a way where it comes across as disparaging or disrespectful or rude towards him. I could be wrong, but that's just what I think. Never. Unless he did something absolutely horrible to her, I think the respect that she has for him and him for her will completely prevail through all of this. I think so. And I hope so. And that's the tune that I'm going to take until we are proven otherwise. Ugh, I'm just sad. I know. I mean, it, I'm serious. My friend Jake was like, are you guys okay? Did someone die? That's <laughs> literally, I mean, I was on speaker. Isabel heard him because we were so upset. I We love this couple. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. We love this couple. I know. And it sucks because I always loved them. And then after last season, I felt so validated. And now it's like, fuck. I know. I mean, listen, Beverly Hills happens to be a cast with some husbands that we like. We like Mauricio. We have even gone around to liking PK. We like Harry Hamlin. Aaron, not our favorite, but I don't know. It just, it's unfortunate and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll miss him. As will I. Okay. Why don't you tell us about the update in the Atlanta world? Okay. This is exciting. <laughs> not a big deal. Wait, wait. Also, I just quickly have to add... Who knew when we were making this outline that when we would be discussing this, Georgia would literally be the only thing we have been talking about for the past four days? Oh my God. First of all, I'm I'm an expert on Georgia and also Andy literally right before we recorded (laughs) story to picture Real Housewives of Atlanta like reunion, but instead of him in the middle, it's Joe. I know. I saw that. (laughs) Hilarious. The Housewives memes, you guys, holy shit. I did a roundup last night. I I had 300 to pick from. I couldn't even choose. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. Back to Atlanta. So not so much news, except that the trailer for season 13 dropped the season 13 premieres on December 6th. And the trailer looks obviously fucking unbelievable. We're going to see that whole drama with them sleeping with the stripper who had a threesome, et cetera. But most excitingly, there is a new housewife. Her name is Drew Sedora. She is an actress and a singer. 
She actually played Chantal, who was Eddie's girlfriend in That So Raven, which really threw me for a loop. We'll discuss that in a moment. She's appeared in Step Up, VH1's Crazy Sexy Cool, The Story of TLC, and The Game. She's married to Ralph Pittman, and she has a 10-year-old son and a 5-year-old son and a 2-year-old daughter. That's really all I know about her so far. She's already commenting up a storm, which puts her in my good graces, and... I don't know. I, I love that we've had a new housewife to report on every week, and I, I, I'm excited to get to know all of them. Thrilled. And also, my however your old self watching That's So Raven, knowing exactly who she is, is absolutely <laughs> thriving. When I saw this come across, I was like, you have to be fucking kidding me. Not that she was a main character, but we have seen every episode of that show probably three times. I know exactly who she is. I think she was literally in four episodes, but because we've seen them thousands of times, it made so much more of an impact. Also something about someone who appeared in a show that I watched as a kid, now being a housewife, made me feel really old. Because like when Rinna and Denise and all of them are talking about like the shows that they appeared in and like my mom is like, oh my God, I love those shows. Eileen, all of them. I'm like, yeah, like I know them, but I didn't grow up watching them. So then when someone, when her, one of her credits is that so Raven, I'm like, oh my God, I know it's, it's absolutely amazing. And the point that I continually make and will continue to, because I really think it's true. Somebody who has been raised in front of the camera just automatically will probably excel in their confessional. And that is what I love to see because a housewife is only as good as their confessional. And you can put that on my grave because it's true. Wow. Wow. Listen, that's why Giselle Bryan is unparalleled. Like her or not, she's a fucking unparalleled confessional. Wait, that like shook me. I'm going to need a minute. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's very exciting. And I'm thinking, why don't we do Southern Charm? Because I know Potomac happened long ago, but we're coming right off of just watching Southern Charm. Yeah. Literally, I watched it half last night, half this morning in between news and wow. Talk about the best break you could ask for. I mean, quite literally ever. Ever. Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So we're going to talk about the season seven premiere and episode two, kind of just about the plots, like a more of a discussion, because like we always say, if you're here, we're assuming you saw both. And this is going to be a good, 
good season. I'm like loving already the topics we're getting into. I love when everybody's involved. I love Patricia just gets chicer by the moment. And wow. Wow. I know. I know that it would probably make more sense if we were doing this chronologically to talk about the whole Cam and Catherine thing. But honestly, for sake of the fact that we haven't discussed this yet, and I would imagine this is what you guys care about the most, let's just talk about the Madison Austin Shep whole thing. Because to me, that is hands down the most fascinating element of what's going on here. Yeah. So coming out of last season, like we know Shep and Craig, but I think mostly led by Shep. Shep just does not like this girl. Whether it's because he cares so much about Austin and really wants to protect him and he feels something is is off and bad with Madison or he just hates Madison, he has had it out for her. He's tried to break them up, which did happen, and then they got back together. He brought one of the girls that Austin had a threesome with that was caught on video to a party that Madison was at. So naturally, she has her guard up major and... Austin is in kind of the difficult position where he's back with Madison and he really loves her, but he is still good friends with Shep and they have a lot of issues. Exactly. And it, and listen, it's an uncomfortable position. You never want to be where your significant other doesn't get along with one of your best friends. Like that is a relatable concept I would imagine to a lot of people. And it sucks. It, it just sucks. Right. Especially when not only do they not get along, Madison knows the things that Shep is saying to Austin about her, about how she's not good for him, she's unfaithful, they're not going to end up together, etc. So we get into this episode and we see them back together, the whole thing. And at the end of the premiere episode, Shep hosted a quote, dumb and dumber party, which like hilarious. And Patricia also going to a dumb and dumber party, something I never thought I would see in my lifetime, but here we are. (laughs) So he hosts this party and he invites a bunch of people. It's kind of a way for everyone to meet his girlfriend, Taylor. We have to get into that in a minute, but let's table that. So they're at the party and there's this guy named Peter there. And Peter had come with this girl named Liz. We don't really know anything about them. Like it's the first time we're ever meeting them or seeing them, but Madison starts to get uncomfortable and, and Shep is basically saying like, I just found out that Peter and Madison slept together. And Madison is viewing this as another setup because in her defense, this has happened before that Shep would set her up to be in an uncomfortable situation where she's forced to address other people she slept with. Now, we'll find out in the second episode, it wasn't when they were together. It wasn't someone that she cheated on Austin with, this Peter guy. It was someone she slept with when she was single. So to me, once I found that out, Yeah. Was it a little weird? Yes. But is this the first time two people who have slept together have been in the same room or accidentally been invited to the same party? Not at all. And so for everyone to be making such a big deal and for Madison to think that this was some big setup and Shep have to defend himself, like I get it. I get why she's sensitive to it, but I didn't, I really didn't think Shep had bad intentions. Did you? I I was so interested by this because like you said, we are not talking about the real housewives. Like we are talking about Southern Charm. It's a completely different dynamic. It's a completely different group. It's not all these married couples. They it's it's almost similar to college in a way. They're gonna be in a situation where you know what that's like. You go to a party and it's someone you've hooked up with. It just so happens. And I didn't feel I mean, who knows? Maybe Shep knew, maybe he didn't know. That's not I don't 
think it was malicious, but also it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. If someone told me they really thought so, maybe I could be convinced. That's really not the issue here. For me, it was like, like you said, I understand Madison's sensitivity, but it wasn't, it was almost, um, it was almost like a, a, a misplaced anger in a way, because what was very interesting also that I think we have to discuss is how upset Liz was getting, which is Peter's girlfriend. So that made me think, okay, there's no way that Austin could be mad about this in terms of what Madison did because she was a single woman. She can do whatever she wants. But I'm thinking, did she sleep with Peter while Peter and Liz were together? And that's why Peter's girlfriend is so upset. And hence, that's why this situation has gotten so intense so fast. Because my mind was just trying to process how this escalated so quickly from what to us as a viewer was seemingly nothing. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I'm sure we're going to see this play out. But back to just about exes, even exes being in the same room. Craig and Naomi were in a full committed relationship for years and still had to stick it out and go to reunions together. Catherine and Thomas would be in the midst of fucking custody battle. They'd stick it out and she'd be in the same room as Whitney, who she hooked up with and Thomas, who she hooked up with. And you know what? Charleston, this group is just one big Venn diagram. Like you said to me the other day, they're a big Venn diagram and not even that they're more just like a circle. There's so much overlap that you can't even make a diagram. So at a certain point, Austin can't be upset about that. I guess because I think Madison was more upset that Austin didn't know she had slept with this guy because like, why are you going to go tell your boyfriend all the people you've slept with in the past when you weren't together? But like, it wasn't the biggest deal. Yeah. I slept with him when we were single. Great. Move on. Right. I, okay. I agree. And I want to, I want to talk about the conversation that her and Austin had post the party, because I, then we absolutely have to get into John Prangle, but the party after the party, when they're sitting there and he's really upset, you know, he, it ended up being fine and it ended up being handled, I think respectfully. And they got through it. But for a second there, I was getting, I felt like my inner feminist coming out. Cause I was like, wait a damn minute. Don't shame her for what she did. But then I realized it wasn't so much that it was more so the fact that he felt like an idiot because everybody else knew, but him. And I right. was really putting myself in Austin's shoes. And you know what? That's a little uncomfortable. It's not about what happened. She absolutely has freedom to sleep with whoever she wants. It's the fact that he felt like everybody else in the room knew was talking about it. And he looked like the idiot that had no idea. And you know what? That I can understand as someone who's been in relationships, how you don't want to feel like the last one in when it comes to your girlfriend or boyfriend. I totally agree with you. Okay. I am literally dying to talk to you about John Pringle. Please, can we get into this? Oh my God. Yes. Because tell me if you agree with this. My whole idea of his aura and his vibe from episode one to episode two really changed. Really changed and not in a positive way. Yeah. So episode one, we're introduced to him at Shep's party. And first of all, Patricia sees him and she is like, okay, I like you. He is kind of in a society from a society family and he's very good looking. Catherine is flirting with him. We find out this episode that they actually kissed after the party because she was flirting with him and who knows what's going to happen with that. So Whitney invites him over to their house. And in the second episode, we see him go over to Patricia's for, you know, a classic cocktail hour with Patricia and Whitney. And he shows up with a bouquet of flowers from the grocery store. And he was so uncomfortable. I felt like he was going to jump out of his skin. You can tell that is not what this guy 
is all about. Yes, I understand his family may have roots that are similar to Patricia, but that's not his style. He's not impressed by those things. He doesn't want to deal with it. He's happy with a beer or as Michael judged him for a vodka and a full gene outfit and just, you know, happy to be there. But let me just say, by the way, when he is at Patricia's house and Patricia is kind of, you know, floating the idea of Madison, which Whitney very quickly says, you know, mom, she's with Austin. And John, to his credit, says the same thing. This is not the first time that she did it. At the party, let's not forget, while he's talking to Catherine, Patricia is in the corner with Madison, kind of, you know, just getting a temperature check on how she views John, saying, oh, maybe they, your kids could play together as if there's not a million other you know, single parents with children. So Patricia had been working on this since the night of the party, and this was just a continuation of it. And I have to just quickly tell you, I know we're going to get into Austin's wine tasting in a second, but I really found myself being very split here. A little bit of the Denise Brandy element of like, oh my God, this is so interesting, but also I feel so guilty because I by no means am Austin's biggest fan. And I completely agree with Patricia. Like, I do not think that Madison and Austin are endgame. I think she's a lot better for him than he is for her, et cetera. But they're happy right now. They're figuring it out fine. That being said, imagine being Austin and watching this season back and figuring out there is an entire behind-the-scenes plotline, including the producers, might I add, of getting your girlfriend with another cast member. This is not like they had just broken up. This is like they are actively in a good place. They just went through a lot of shit, some his fault, fine, to get to the place that they're at. And now you're the entire plot is centering around another castmate trying to infiltrate your relationship with your fucking girlfriend. That is, like, as much as I literally cannot get enough, that's sickening. It's really sad. It's sad, but... From Patricia's point of view, she is like a mentor to Madison. She, and vice versa, like Madison really looks up to her as for advice. She's her hairdresser. And I think Patricia thinks very, very highly of her. She sees her, she's a hard worker, she's a single parent. And her perspective on Austin, yeah, is he a sweetheart? Of course, he's very cute and he has good intentions most of the time. But she doesn't approve of his work ethic. She probably doesn't approve of his partying. And she doesn't definitely doesn't approve of him cheating on her and a video going viral of him, him having a threesome. She wants to help Madison be this, not society woman, but she's trying to mold her to like lift her up and raise her up and to be the best version of herself and do well for herself. And she doesn't see Austin as that. And I also think her, Patricia loves Shep, but Austin being associated with Shep and falling into this same category as Shep, I don't think to her is quote, like approved. Oh, it's not approved. It's not approved. And by the way, as somebody who, like you said, views her as a, you know, it takes on the role in Madison's life as maybe a mentor, or I would go as far as to say a maternal figure, perhaps. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I think I, I can understand her intention, but just because you don't think that Austin is the right person, he is a human with feelings. Like I, I, I just couldn't imagine watching that back as Austin. And I, I think they're right. Like, I really do not think that Austin and Madison should be endgame. I think she brings out such a, you know, great side of him and he does not do the same with her. She really could kind of, I don't want to say date up, but date up. And it's not nothing to do with his career. I just think in general, he's a really sweet kid, but I just don't think it's the best person for her. What the fuck do I know? I don't know them. But God damn, for this whole plot line to be going on, I would just I can't imagine this reunion. I know we're only on episode two. I cannot imagine what this reunion is going to be. 
Right. As if they didn't have enough shit in their relationship already. It wasn't all smooth sailing. I can't remember if it was Shep or if it was Craig at the food and wine festival when they're at the booth. And Madison is working it. She is like running the show. And one of them says, you know, Madison may be terrible for her his mental health, but goddamn, is she amazing for his business. It was Craig and he said verbatim, she is invaluable for his business. Yes. And I'm so glad that he used that word because that is exactly the way that I felt. She, The way that she was working that booth is exactly how you want your significant other who comes out to help you to do it. She has her shit together. She's confident. She is a go-getter. She wants you to make money. She is such an excellent representation of your brand and the one thing that I will say is that at least in this episode, it didn't feel to me like that was lost on Austin. Like, I don't think he, maybe in the past he's taken her for granted. I think he's starting to recognize what she brings to the table. Um, so I guess that's one silver lining in all of this potentially. Agree. Can we quickly talk about her conversation with Shep at the, at the wine and food event? Yeah. You know, it was funny because when you're watching it go down, it's, Austin's worst nightmare. He specifically asked them not to do it, but they were having a cordial conversation. And like they said, it needed to happen. Maybe it should have gone behind the booth so that it wasn't interrupting business. But I do think that there was nothing wrong with them having it there. I'm sure people would argue it's Austin's thing. You have to respect his wishes, but it had to happen sooner rather than later. And they were on television. So like, fuck it. But you see how the dynamic is such a clear power dynamic in Madison's favor. And she literally puts her hand on Shep's and she says, listen, don't shake. I see you're shaking. Don't be afraid. Everything's fine. And it cuts to her confessional and she's in that sparkly pink outfit. And she says, yeah, I, Shep knows that I'm completely owning this. And yeah, I do get off a little bit on it. <laughs> I got to tell you, it didn't come off as sadistic to me. I fucking loved it. I was like, yes, you are. Yeah. Because he's scared of her. He has wronged her so many times in the past that she, like, she has the upper hand. She has the upper hand and she knows it. And I, I this is honestly a seamless transition to the Taylor conversation because what I was going to say is the way Shep's behaving in this episode, even Gre- Craig said it, it's, it's a very kind of um, polished, upgraded version from a moral perspective of him. And listen, I don't think we can look at that and look at Taylor and not put the two together because clearly she is the best thing that has ever happened to him in terms of the time that we've known him. I feel like I've been on Shep's relationship journey forever because we have season one from the get-go in season one. It was all about Shep being a bachelor, his lifestyle, hooking up with millions of girls every single night. Doesn't matter who, he just was going to bring somebody home. Then we watched him on relationship, try and become in a relationship and really open up about his feelings. And he is really vulnerable all the time about how he's feeling, how he views monogamous relationship, if he wants to get married. So he's such an open book. So then for him to just pop up with this cute, sweet, bubbly girlfriend who, listen, Danny and Catherine did have a conversation being like, yeah, is she still trying to play the cool girl and let him not define the relationship? Maybe. But he seems like he's so into her with them, with the dog. They're like a little family. He was so proud to like make a toast to her in front of everybody at the party. I have good, I have good vibes about this. I have amazing vibes about this too. Like I so, so, so agree with you. We've been on this journey. It is so fulfilling and beautiful to watch how happy he is and honestly how happy she is too. She genuinely seems to love him for him and clearly he's providing something for her as well. The only thing that kind of perked my ears in terms of maybe a red flag was, and I don't remember if it was Shep or Craig that said this. I think it was Craig when he was like, yeah, you know, Shep's 
girl, Shep's therapist, also known as his girlfriend. Because listen, I have been there and I'm sure a lot of women listening have been too. There's a very big difference between being a source of emotional stability for your partner and then taking the place of their therapist. Because once that happens, you cross into a really dangerous territory. And what I always say is like, I can't be the one that your issues are with and also the one solving them because then it leaves no space for my emotional stability. Like I can't be the one, and I'm saying me as Taylor, you know, we've all had this, but it's like, she can't be the one. And I'm not saying this is happening. I believe it was Craig that said it. So maybe it's his interpretation of it, but she can't be the one that's providing all of the growth and all of the kind of like emotional support for him. And then feeling like she doesn't have the space. I'm not saying that's happening, but it did scare me a little when he made that comparison because therapists should never be the role of the significant other. Right. And, but in Shep and Taylor's defense, because I, I don't know, like Craig is not, if I think you're right, that it was Craig that said it, we always have to take everything from a grain of salt. We've seen him in relationships. Like his word is not necessarily the truth. And when Shep said, I think it was in the most recent episode that, you know, Taylor's not changing me. She's just fine tuning me. That to me, I feel like is such a different story in helping him become better and figuring out what he can do to be a better person, a better partner, better everything versus being his therapist. That's a huge difference. And I feel like the find helping him to be better is just a healthy, good relationship and good for him versus a therapist, which could end badly completely agree with you. I, you're so, so that's such an excellent line that you pointed out the fine tuning. Cause that's what you want. I mean, when you're with someone, you always want them to bring out the best part of yourself. And for both of them, you know, I hope that Taylor feels like he's bringing out the best part in her as well. I you know right. we talk about this a lot. Has Shep fucked up in the past? Absolutely. Is he someone that you or I would maybe want to date? Probably not. However, we, and I think a lot of the viewers just have a soft spot for him because there's something about him that comes across as sweet and charming and lovable. And I can understand why she's into him. You know, I think he is growing up and I just, I, I don't know. I, I like him. <laughs> Sue me. No, I fucking love Shep. I would date him. I was going to ask you, we, I cannot believe we're on what season seven of Southern Charm and we've never discussed this. Who do you think who are you, if you had to choose, who are you more attracted to between Craig and Chef? And I don't think either are your like someone that you're majorly, but we've never discussed it. So now I'm just curious. It's like hard because Craig physically is like so much more my type. And like, I love guys that dress really well and he does, but like, and Chef is like a little goofy. I don't know. It's so hard. But then like, when you know, Craig, you're just, I'm like, not down. Just, it's just a no for me. But Shep's personality. And now when you see him with a girlfriend, it's so different than when he's just like going out and hooking up with a million girls. I don't know. M, all I know is he is so tall and that's all that you care about. I was about to say, like, he's you know me. so tall. Like literally I have to send you this picture of him next to Taylor. He is so tall. You know me. Julie brings this meme up all the time. It's literally like the devil. And it's like, how tall are you? He's like six, one, six, two at the horns. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's You're like, fine. I'm sold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me insane. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Interesting. I'm just curious. Okay. So anyone who knows me and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, cause I guess we've just <laughs> gotten real close around here knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, There have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. 
I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable, like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wear. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard Skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which... I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about that element or can I move on to the topic that I'm dying to? Yes, let's move on to Catherine Cam debacle. No, that's not what it is. What? We have to talk about Leva and Lamar because I fucking stay. Oh my God. No, no, no. Okay. Let's talk about it because I want to talk about her before we get into the next plot. Oh. I no, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. And then you're like, I love her already from the get-go in the first scene we see her. And then she gets home and has the hottest husband and the cutest little son I've ever seen. What are we going to do? Oh my God. And the gorgeous home and his watch and his whole presence. And the way that when she said, you know, I'm just so attracted to like his intellect and that he's so stimulating and that she's like, you know, and, and I think he feels the same with me. She's like, and that's a sustainable attraction. I think that's what she said. The word sustainable was so unbelievably fitting for the way that I viewed them because clearly this is a power couple. They're in it together. They are so complimentary and God damn, I am really into this couple. I'm obsessed. And I feel like what we, we spoke about this really quickly after the premiere, but we were missing Cam because she is, we always speak about on each city of housewives, how there is someone like who's a narrator, like a Kyle Richards or Bethany when she was on New York, who is almost like the level-headed narrator and gives us like the overall vibe of what's going on. And I was really, really missing Cam in the first episode to be there to kind of guide us through and like, be like, okay, here's what's really going on. And her presence and her overall just aura and her, she's so intelligent, like with it and level-headed. And like, this is exactly what we needed on this cast. And I get why her and Cam are such good friends. And like, I'm already obsessed with her. Yes, I totally agree with you. And it's not that she was taking Cam's place by any means. Like she brings her own very unique element, especially when she was talking about them being one of the first, you know, interracial couples that she saw in Charleston and how that's been and how they both still feel like they're looked at a different way and and all of that, which I think will continue to unfold and is something that was desperately needed on that show because it almost was an element that was never discussed at all. Um, But her relationship with Cam is almost like, in a weird way, it's like you feel like she's being Cam's representative, not as her sole goal. Clearly, she has her entire other thing. But in a way, it's like you feel like there's justice for Cam because Leva is there kind of 
keeping everyone, uh, keeping everyone on track. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In, I don't know. It's a little bit weird, but let's get into the Catherine element so we can break it down. This was fucked up. This is wild. So premiere, we see Craig sits down with Catherine and Craig continuously has been a champion for Catherine. Even in her lowest moments, he always, it's not even that he feels bad for her. I think he just really likes her and doesn't want her to feel pushed down or left out. He really tries to include her and wants the best for her. And you just, you see that friendship is there and that respect is there. So they're at lunch and they're talking, catching up, and they're talking about going to Shep's party, if Cam is going to be there. And Catherine drops the bomb that she heard a rumor that it's going around, supposedly, that Jason, Cam's husband, was having an affair. And Craig immediately, you see his body language change, you see his his face drops, and he is not happy that A, that she said that, and all, B, that he knows it's not true. And he's pissed that she would even give a rumor like that, whether it was really a rumor or not, give it any wings. Yeah. It was almost like you were witnessing Craig have like a visceral reaction to even Catherine mentioning that. You could tell, you know when that happens when someone tells you something and it just makes you so uncomfortable. And now you feel like you have to take a shower for the fact that you even heard it. It's like, you feel guilty for even having received that information. That yeah. is what was happening with Craig. He was not only pissed at Catherine cause he clearly recognized that this was a baseless attempt to get back at cam. And in a way that was really just uncalled for, but I think also he felt like a sense of responsibility to defend cam as somebody who has been, you know, so close to her for so long. Right. It was also the element that we can't even like ignore is that not only is he so pissed that she's making up this rumor, because I genuinely believe that that's what he thought immediately was that, you know, why are you making this up? This isn't a real thing. I've never heard this, but also that why are you saying this on camera? Like, don't go that low. There's cameras here. Now that you know this is going to become a plot, like, wow, why are you going to sink to that level? And just to like remind everyone, although I'm sure you don't need to be reminded, Cam was, I would, she wasn't even that mean necessarily to Catherine in the first seasons, but she was disapproving. She had questions about her, their characters and their personalities just don't mesh. So it's like no surprise there that they weren't really getting along. And yeah, she made some digs, but I just love Cam. So like, I'm just a Cam stan. And like, I, I always see her intentions are pretty good. So yeah, has she said some shitty things? Has she gossiped about her? Of course. But in the later reunions, especially after Cam got pregnant and had Palmer, her daughter, you saw that Catherine and Cam had this connection and Cameron felt for her in a way that we hadn't seen before. She had literally apologized for being so hard on her and was crying saying, I can't imagine being a new mother, being a mom, having kids, not getting to see my daughter, not having support and defending her when Thomas's crazy girlfriend, Ashley was attacking her. Like they made it right. Cam made it right. And the last we saw, they were in pretty much a nice place. So now Catherine coming in and making up this story, which I really believe it, or even just spreading it is bad enough to get back at 
her for the mean things that she said years ago. And in her confessional, she's like, no, no one, no one came to my defense like that when this happened is it's a crazy plot. It's a crazy plot. And what really pissed me off was how in this second episode, when she's in one of her confessionals, she doesn't even attempt to make up where it came from. Yeah. She's not denying it at all. That's what was the weirdest thing. That was what was the weirdest thing and also the most infuriating. It's like, maybe I guess it's better off. At least she's calling it like it is and basically saying without saying it, like I am just trying to be a vindictive asshole. Shouldn't say that, but that's basically what she's doing. Um, But yeah, it was just so clear that this was filled with spite and that there was no kind of credibility here. And she's fine with that. She's almost just fine with with this narrative because she knows that she set it free and now whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And- do you remember months ago, way before the season ever premiered, when Cam made her announcement? I'm not going to read it. You guys know which one. She made that. It was a post on Instagram. It was a two-slide post from her notes pad and basically said, you know, I made the decision not to come back. Reality TV can get messy. And there were rumors happening that I had to know I had to leave immediately. You know, Jason never wanted to be involved in this and it's not fair for him to. And I really think it hits below the belt when you are accusing somebody who has made it clear from the very, very beginning that they want nothing to do with this. And I understand when you're the spouse of someone on a reality show, you get brought in. I get it. But also like, it's just uncalled for. Make something up that only impacts her. If you're really, if you're so, if you so badly need to do that, you know what I mean? Like to do it for Jason, who has literally said from the very beginning, he wants nothing to do with this. I just don't think is is fair. Yeah. I think in her mind, that's the thing that could hurt her the most. And like, it is about Jason, but really it hurts Cameron. So I don't know. Gibson Johns, who, if you guys aren't following him on Twitter is like the best, he tweeted a really good summary of it. And he said, honestly, pretty wild that the storyline here was going to be Craig and co trying to get cam to allow herself to let loose. And then Catherine went ahead and made unsubstantiated claims about cam's husband having an affair. And then just, and then cam just quits the show. Damn. It's very clear that Catherine had deep-rooted resentment for how Cam treated her the first few seasons of Southern Charm, but like Cam was great to her last season, so why is Catherine making up these cheating rumors years later? Goddamn, Gibson. That, he just hits hits it on the nail every single time. Exactly. Catherine just can't help herself. You know, she just, she just does not operate with that same grace that Cameron does, and it's incredibly evident. Yeah. I also wonder if we're going to get to see Cam, like was Cam filming? I don't know the details. Like, did she film? Do we get to see them hear that she's quitting the show? Shep had said this week that he thought about quitting too when Cam left, but obviously he didn't. But he Gibson is right. Like the setup of Cam's storyline being like, you know, she's home with the baby and she really needs to get out more. We want her to not feel this mom guilt. Like you saw the groundwork being laid there. So then for like the storyline to not play out is so crazy interesting. And like, they're talking about her, like it's going to cut to the next scene of her getting ready for the party. I know, I know. And also, you know, the point you made also about how after she had Palmer, things changed a little in terms of the way that she was with Catherine, it kind of softened her. She said that, you remember? Mm-hmm. Like I was rewatching the last reunion, just I always do to prep myself for the new season. And it it's it almost made me more upset after having watched that. 
You know what I mean? Like this news yeah. made me more upset after how she was. I told you, my dad was watching with me and I turn and he's hysterically crying. And I'm like, what? He's like, I was never the same after the day you were born. Oh like, my God. But it's, it's just, I don't know. Listen, there's a couple of people you can't fuck with and Cameron is just one of them. Oh my God. I love her so much. Can I, also, can I also quickly tell them about the thing at Bravo that day? Yes. Oh my God. Tell them that's a funny story. So a while ago, Julie and I were at some event at NBC. It was like, I think it was the certified Bravo Holics event. And they basically had different talent in every room. And so one room was like Sonia, Giselle, Dorinda, et cetera. And one room was Cameron and Austin. And we went in there first. You kind of went in, you could ask them all questions. And then it was Steve Gold and Captain Lee. And towards the end of the Steve Gold, Captain Lee conversation, Cameron walks in. She is beat red. Like I'm not exaggerating. She is, you know how she normally is incredibly outgoing, knows exactly what to say. She was, couldn't speak. And it was because she has had this crush on Steve Gold for a while now. And I guess the staff at Bravo knew that. So they kind of brought them in and she was like, Oh my God, I think we have a video. We may have a video on our highlights because I recorded it. And she was like, Oh my God, like it's just, it's just so nice to meet you. And I was just like, I am watching in full, like I'm having a first hand, a front row seat to this fangirling happening. I love it so much. Amazing. He does dress really well, I gotta tell you. Oh yeah, he's so hot. Yeah. Okay. Anything else for Southern Charm or do you want to move into Potomac? No, I think that's it. Let's go to Potomac. I'm having the time of my life, by the way. <laughs> Same. I'm literally <laughs> having so much fun. I'm so happy we're talking about Southern Charm and Potomac. Like, oh my God, I love you. Okay. <laughs> this is our Super Bowl. I love you so much. I haven't much. been this happy in like 72 hours and like not thought about something else or seen anything but the colors blue and red. So this is really riveting. <laughs> I know. And I have not checked Twitter one time the entire time we're recording. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Me either. I can't see my TV. I'm like... Oh, okay. But more importantly, Potomac. (laughs) Yes. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay. I think personally for me, the most interesting storyline of this episode was the Karen Wendy situation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. There's little tidbits that we can discuss, but like that was the meat of the episode. Yeah. And it all, I mean, listen, every single thing we're talking about here relates to the bigger issue, which is Candace and Monique, because all of everybody else's issues have stemmed from that. 
Yeah, exactly. Somebody said it. I don't know if they put it in a trailer or something, but that I think Wendy said this fight ignited little fires in the group. And of course it did. It trickles down because of who's siding with who, how people handle it, how people are blaming people. This this season of Potomac could have been the trailer for little fires everywhere, literally. <laughs> Except it's like big fucking fires everywhere. Yeah, exactly. But I guess, you know, we should really start out with the fact that, as we know, Wendy had told Giselle and Robin about Karen's kind of drunk meltdown about the whole race situation and the financial burden, et cetera. And listen, you tell Giselle, there is just no world in which she's not going to then tell the person, even though she's she said parrot. she repeats everything she hears. Yes. She and is. That's why we love her. She's literally T'Challa in human form. Is she not? <laughs> she yeah. is T'Challa. When T'Challa learns to repeat everything that he's going to be Giselle's little clone. Exactly. She just, and, and it's why we love her. It's why she's one of the best housewives in housewives history because she's an instigator and I wouldn't necessarily want to be friends with her, but I love watching her on my screen. I want to be friends with her. I just wouldn't tell her anything. Exactly. I'd want to be surface level friends with her. I yes. Guess. I either want to be Robin or surface level. There's no in between. Yeah. There's no in between. Also, I will tell you in person, she's hands down the most, one of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen in my entire life. Stunning. Stunning. Anyway, they're sitting down and it's her, Robin and Karen. They're going to this kind of etiquette lunch. You guys saw that scene. Funny, non-related element we should just discuss as we always talk about the producers really just killing it. She makes the comment about, you know, no one look at my feet. I forgot my shoes. And immediately what do the cameras do? Cut right to her wearing the slides. I couldn't get enough of it. Oh, they're genius. Also, when she asks Robin if her hat line is called embezzled, as Robin is in the midst of a big tax issue and Robin's like, no, it's embellished. <laughs> that you can't write it. it. You can't make this shit up. No, you can't make it up. And you also can't make up then when they cut to her confessional, Giselle's confessional. And uh, she's like, yeah, you know, it, I'm not even going to talk about that. Robin's issues with the IRS. It's like, what, $1,500? And the producer's like, uh, 90000 And she's like, well, damn. <laughs> she's like, oh, shit. She was like, oh, my God. I thought this was like petty cash. No, no, no. Exactly. Anyway, you know, of course, they sit down and she tells Karen what Wendy said. And I really think this threw Karen for a loop because not only did she, not only is Karen a very secretive person, not secretive, but not only does Karen work to kind of maintain this image and really doesn't like to spill the beans, only did so when she was drunk, I don't think she even remembered doing it. So, I think on one hand she was embarrassed, but also she was kind of like, wait, shit. And you have, it's almost like the hangover panic that people talk about, about the next morning you wake up and you look at Mm -hmm. your friend's Snapchat stories and you're like, what happened last night? It was almost that, but worse and days later, if that makes sense. Yeah. But even when you look at the footage of them at Monique's like drunkenly just talking and kikiing, like she said, it wasn't like, it wasn't said with weight. It wasn't like a serious revelation. I have to tell you guys something. They were all kind of laughing and she said it in a really nonchalant way that wasn't, not that it wasn't a big deal, but it almost was like they were just talking and it kind of came out and she was half joking about it. So, so then for it to be down the line, like telephone over and over into this warped thing that Karen drunkenly dropped the bomb that she gave Ray all this money. And now we think she's struggling. And by the time it got to Giselle and now is getting back to Karen, it's become something that it wasn't really. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it, it's taken on a whole new life and a life that I don't even think she knew it had in the first place. Yes, exactly. And keep in mind, this is happening 
in conjunction with the personal stuff she's going through with Ray. This is happening right at the same time after she just looked Ray in the eye and asked him to acknowledge the work that she did for him financially. So it's really bringing up a lot for her. And it was unfortunate that it happened, but it made for great television. Right. And their issues are not even about money anymore. That's the thing. I mean, I'm sure they are, but forward facing, the issues that they're bringing up are about them emotionally and in their marriage. The money stuff has, we're kind of past it. So now it's an issue again. It's like, Karen's probably like, I'm so fucking done with this. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And also at this lunch, something else happens, which we're going to see a little bit later on. We'll talk about that in a minute when they're kind of talking about Karen and Wendy's disagreement that they had at Wendy's party. And Karen is imitating the way that Wendy walked down the stairs in the middle of Karen and Candace's confrontation. And it's hilarious, to be honest with you, her imitation, I was on the floor. Um, But again, she's saying it to Giselle and Robin. And so anything that she's saying to Giselle, she can pretty much guarantee is going to come back to Wendy. So keep that in the back of your mind. Let's go to the half party because I cannot wait to talk about this. Same. Okay, so now we're at Robin's hat party slash photo shoot. She invited all the women to come model the hats for her website, and she is kind of having them all together to take pictures and, I guess, have lunch. So right before Karen arrives, Giselle and Robin are there with Wendy, and of course, like Emma just said, they tell her, we were at lunch with Karen, we told her all about it, and she was imitating you walking down the stairs, blah, blah, blah. So now Wendy knows this information. So they do the whole photo shoot. There's a model there who is Katie Ross clone that they all walk in. They're like, is that Katie? And for one second, I thought that they like Robin savagely just brought Katie Ross back for a photo shoot, but she didn't. And (laughs) so they finish the photo shoot and they're downstairs talking. And we didn't really talk about this because there's not much to say, but Ashley's continuing to open up about her postpartum struggles. And we see her at a therapy session and her therapist kind of suggests, and they come up with the idea together that Ashley should take a trip and kind of clear her mind, reset, get a change of scenery. And Ashley says she's always wanted to go to Portugal. So instead of going with Michael, she thinks it's better maybe to just go on a girl's trip. So they're all sitting together and Ashley pulls out a flag, which nobody knew what it was, including me. Did you? Obviously not. And then Wendy comes through with with Portugal because of her soccer enthusiasm. And I was like, you know what? This is incredibly relatable because I just, you can't judge someone's intelligence based on their flag knowledge. I'm sorry. I just, I'm not, I'm not even good when it comes to the emojis. I just, I'm not good at it. I know. I was just going to say, Apple literally put the search bar in the emojis solely for the flags. And this, this is proof of that. Yeah. So they are going to Portugal. They're all so excited and classic housewife move. Wendy says, you know, to the group before we go on this trip, I want to clear the air, make sure we're going with no bad blood. Karen, <laughs> Karen, I heard that you were imitating me and you're upset with me about spreading these things. And by the way, I'm still really upset about you calling me ignorant when you were fighting with Candace because that really hurt me. And I'm educated. I've worked really, really hard to get where I am. You don't know the struggles I've been through. And like that word really hurt me and triggered something in me that I did not like. Yeah. First thing I just have to say is if I was, you know, 
playing a drinking game while for watching all of Housewives, it would be like, take a shot every time they say clear the air, no bad blood. Because these women across all franchises literally cannot do anything until they clear the air. It's like there, there's there's no clear air than in the housewives. I've never heard that phrase more than watching a Bravo. Oh my Hotel. god. The pollution is out of control. Out of fucking control. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a couple of different things happening here because on one hand, she's saying that she's upset about what Karen said to Giselle, but it's really not that. She really is upset about the ignorant comment. And like this is kind of what we were talking about. It's, you know, if you're just hearing this and you you just hear hear what happened and you know you know nothing about Karen, you know nothing where it was coming from, you would completely understand why she's up so upset. This is a woman who's worked incredibly hard, like you said, went through a lot of hurdles and to call her ignorant just feels really unfair. However, once you understand the context and know that it was Karen and it was not said to me personally, in my opinion, in a way where it was like discrediting her education, it was saying she was ignorant about the situation because of the comments she was making regarding Monique. To me, it didn't take on the same weight. However, it doesn't matter because clearly it triggers something for Wendy and like that's fair. You know what I mean? Like she's clearly dealt with that for her entire life. So that word just really, really sent her. And so even if I thought that the, it was maybe an overreaction, I can completely understand where she was coming from. Right. Karen just chose a poor word in that moment. Karen was in the heat of the moment fight with Candace, something that had absolutely nothing to do with Wendy. And when Wendy literally slithered her way in, not to use their words. And I think Karen was just annoyed that she was there. And she felt like Wendy wasn't, it was like, she's not clueless to the situation. She's just not all the way in the know about the situation. She doesn't understand the back. Like there's so many other ways that she could have phrased it. And I think that was just the first like word that she could dagger at her. And it really hurt Wendy in her, of course, like she, I get it. I see it from her perspective, but she clearly was holding on to that from the night of her voting party. And it, I think she felt like this was her opportunity and she wanted to let her know that that bothered her. And Karen was receptive to that. She's like, I come from a hardworking, educated family. I get it. I would never want you to feel like that. It wasn't about you. It wasn't a comment about you as a person or as an educated woman. And I want to lift up women. It was about the moment and the situation, which I really genuinely believe. And I think that they're able to move on from that because Right after that conversation, the funniest fucking moment of life happened when they all got up and started imitating her coming down the steps. No, no. I sent you, you know, I sent you a video. I, no, I was- no. Emma sent me a video because she watched it a little bit after me and I never want to ruin it. So she literally sends me a video, not even a Snapchat, not nothing, a straight up video of her screen watching it. The camera's like shaking because she's laughing so hard. I hear her in the background doing like her high pitch, like crying, laughing, like, ah! And like, it's, it's only like 30 seconds that scene, but the memes that came up from it, especially during like all the election memes, like, you know, mail-in ballots slithering into Pennsylvania, like everybody is cracking me up. And that scene was good. And that's the moment where you're like, okay, these women love each other. They are able to laugh with each other. They all have good hearts and they do respect each other as people. And these are just Except for Candace and Monique, honestly, these are all just such surface level fights. Exactly. I, yes, couldn't have said it better. And you're right. It was just a poor word choice. But again, I actually think Wendy was happy that 
Karen made the Slytherin comment to Giselle because it was kind of like the Cardi, the Cardi TikTok of like, I've been waiting to bring this up. Like, I think she was <laughs> holding on to that ignorant word for yeah. so long and she was waiting for an excuse to bring it up where she had some steam behind it. So it actually, the whole thing ended up working out because they got to air it. Thank God. Um, but that Portugal preview looks insane. Poor Ashley. Oh God. I, who knows what's going to happen. You're right though. I'm happy that it happened in the way it did because it was, yeah, they got a little heated, but then it was able to be resolved versus if Wendy had held on to that frustration and that resentment for towards Karen for calling her that it could have exploded in a really big way. And I'm just glad it didn't. Same. I completely agree. I just love these women. I really love them. I even think Ashley in that scene with her therapist, which you know, we don't really have to get into. I understand there are bigger things, but I have to just make this one comment when she said to her therapist, something like, you know, when Michael touches me and he kisses me, I don't feel sexy because I feel like a utility for Dean and I don't have children, but I just can imagine how relatable that must've been for so many mothers. I've heard so many mothers say that to me, just people that I know that are new moms of like, I've lost my sense of self and my sense of sexiness because I feel like I am just this vessel for my child, which is clearly the more important thing. But, you know, I I just heard that so much and I just felt like it was very brave of her to speak so openly about that. Cause I can, I can imagine how helpful it may have been for other women to feel seen. So I just, I don't know. I just like Ashley. I know she's not perfect, but I just think she has a way of explaining things. That's very real and honest. And yeah, you at least have to give her credit there because you can never say you can never give her the vulnerability criticism that you can give so many other housewives. Like she'll never get the Erica Jane treatment and, Oh, she wasn't open enough. Oh, they're complete opposites. Ashley is like, that's what makes her such a great housewife, but also I think just a great person because she, you see that on camera, she is like this with all, within all the relationships in her life, with her mom, with Michael, with her therapist, with her friends, with her sister. Like she's such an open book and she is so, she's so like calmly just is who she is. She doesn't make it a thing. She doesn't rile anybody up. She's so honest. She'll literally in the most calm and respectful manner, just be like, Hey, I just want to let you all know Michael cheated on me. And sometimes we have threesomes and like, I just want to let you all know that blah, blah, blah. Like she is, she has her thoughts very organized. Does that make sense? Like you, I feel like she's really always self-reflecting and trying to figure out how she feels and what she wants to say to people. And she feels really level-headed and like, yeah, of course she has her moments and you can disagree with things she does, but that's why she's such a great housewife. And honestly, like just a good person. Yes. She has a very sense of internal organization. You're completely right. My last thing on that is it's almost like you see so many of these other women, not on Potomac, I'm saying just in general and housewives, almost get this sense of franticness when it comes to defending their character. And with Ashley, it always comes across as a little bit calmer. I know she loses it sometimes, but it's it's just comparatively speaking to a lot specifically of the New Jersey housewives. She just is in a category of her own. Absolutely. Her own different league. I really, I really respect that in her. Same. So last thing in Potomac, of course, we have a little bit of Candace and Monique update. There were a couple of scenes of them individually. Candace was at Robin's party. Monique wasn't. Um, We're just kind of seeing how they're dealing, what they're doing with the aftermath. At the end of the episode, it cuts to headlines that say, Real Housewives of Potomac star Monique Samuels presses charges against Candace Dillard. And we had seen earlier in the episode, Monique was 
obviously really pissed. And at home, she was saying, the fact that it went from an incident to a legal direction, it's wearing on me. If the judge believed your story and not mine, I could be arrested in front of my kids and they could take me away from my family. I need to do what I need to do and be done with it. So we see what she did was kind of file counter charges at Candace. Candace's reaction, we also see, she's talking to her husband, Chris, saying, you literally have no common sense, talking about Monique. You have no scruples. You have nothing. You're listening to your stupid lawyers and your hood rat friends. That's a lot of nerves. And Chris is kind of like trying to calm her down and say like, we're going to figure it out. It's okay. Like, you know, you know what you know, you know what's in your heart and what's right and what happened. And Candace is really upset. Never in my 33 years of life have I encountered a person who could be this arrogant and evil and sociopathic that you think you have a case to counter sue me for what you did. And Monique said, two people are the reason that the fight happened. So if you're going to come after me, I'm going to come after you. Wow. Like, wow. I mean, I get it. And this is just like, it's a lot going on. And it's really like, it was messy enough. So now to have one lawsuit and now to have two back and forth and like, what, what's going to happen? No, this was not a drill. I mean, I'm not well enough versed in legal proceedings, especially with this type of thing to even give any sort of educated take. But what I will say is I can't imagine Monique has a case. I don't like, know. I don't know. I, just, I mean, there's footage, you know what I mean? Right. Like there's straight up footage of what happened. And yeah, was Candace a little antagonizing? Absolutely. Was Candace asking for it? Not asking for that. You know what I mean? Was Candace egging her on? Absolutely. But there were, there was one person holding someone's hair and absolutely hitting her repeatedly. So I don't know. It feels a little like a, and I like Monique a lot, but it just feels a little bit kind of off to me, but I get it. I think it was probably, I think there was equal reputation intention in doing it as much as it was in actually looking for resolve. Do you know what I mean? Because when you have a countersuit, it makes it look like it was a little bit more even. So maybe that was her goal. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm, you're right. I am so curious to see how the footage element plays into this because like, that's really rare, if not unheard of for lawyers to have this kind of footage. I know we said this so many times, but that's something like at the reunion, I feel like when we really can get into it, that will be so, I'm so curious to see how that plays into it. Oh, same. Listen, my opinion on this entire Candace Money thing has not changed since the beginning. I know. I know. I don't have, my opinion hasn't changed because we haven't seen enough. Like they've, they've really been not showing that much of Monique. She hasn't been hanging out with the group. So I don't know. It's going to get interesting when the legal proceedings start and the sides become more clear and they're more forced to take sides. We'll see what goes down in Portugal. Exactly. Yes, we will. Anything else you want to mention? No, I'm excited for this week. I feel so much better. This was the best anxiety cure I could have ever asked for. I know. Same. Yeah. And again, I don't know when this episode is going to come out, so it may be I mean, it will come out today, but I don't know what will be the deal when this episode comes out. So (laughs) might have a new president. (laughs) Who who knows? I don't know. As always, we love you guys. And, um, you know, it's just crazy. It's like to be able to sit here and be so excited about Shep's new girlfriend and like what that means for him. And then know that there are people listening that are just as excited is uh, a little bit unique because I feel like at least in our friend group, we're the only two that get this as excited about Bravo. So, uh, I guess it's just fun to, <laughs> to have yeah. other people to do it with. So much fun. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, we love you guys. And Julie and I will see you on Monday for our regular episode. Bye guys. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.